The intro. That's not awkward at all. <laughs> Hi guys. How are you? Good. All right. First Corinthians 13. Uh, we are. Uh, we got some work to do. The next couple weeks uh, are gonna be. Uh, how's that? Right there. Is that good? Okay. Uh, uh, the next couple weeks are going to be part one and part two of First Corinthians chapter 13, um, focused on love. A couple different perspectives. Today's more of a, a theological relationship with God perspective. Uh, next week is going to be a little bit more of a, 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 a horizontal uh, perspective, uh, specifically on on our relationships, um, specifically even, I want to take a little bit of a bent and, and bent into parenting uh, next week, but today we got some work to do. So 1 Corinthians 13, um, I definitely want to start there. You just give me a second to start, get set up here. Um, everybody there? Everybody got a Bible? You guys awake? Yes. Are you with me? Are you happy? You like winter? No? Me neither. Yeah. Here we go. So, you never know. You never know what a pastor's going to think of last minute that will illustrate his point. So here we go. Um, so today... We, uh, excuse me, let me back up one, one step. So we are winding down this vintage church series that we've been in for about a century, uh, it feels like. Every series that's long, it feels like a long time that we've just been kind of diving through the book of Acts. And then that's why we've been in these separate books is because Paul's missionary journey took him to different cities to spread the gospel, to plant churches, to start churches, and that's uh, essentially what he's writing in 1 Corinthians and 2 Corinthians. It's basically just a letter that he sent uh, via Billy, um, who's a mailman, um, he, via Pony Express, however mail was, was, was passed through at that point, to the church in the city called Corinth. And now both of these letters are obviously lengthy. Uh, they're very relatable to where we are as a church. Yes, the church, big capital C, worldwide church, the gospel of Jesus Christ, yes. Um, but specifically, uh, lowercase c, church, conduit church, uh, really applies to where we are at. And so that's kind of the understanding going forward. But today, I feel uh, it is imperative that you and I both understand uh, the love of God. We may think we understand it. I thought I understood it. Um, but when we can begin to dive into specifically this chapter, as well as 1 John chapter 4, um, Romans 5, you begin to, to see that, that love is way deeper than the feeling of love. It's actually way deeper than the choice of what we think a choice is, what love is. Um, it's much broader than our love for pizza or 
General Tso's chicken. Uh, Love, the love of God. The English language has a difficult uh, practice of taking a word that means one thing in, in the depths of all it is and then also throwing it in a casual sense. Like, I love my wife, but I love General Souls chicken. Obviously, there's great love, both. But even the word great, you see what happens there? Our English language does this weird thing. But the depth of love for my wife I, I can assure you, is much deeper than my love for General So's chicken. Um, nonetheless, let's bounce into what the Lord says about love, specifically through Paul in this letter. It says in verse 1 of 1 Corinthians chapter 13, the title says, The Way of Love. If I speak, as Katie read earlier, if I speak in tongues of men and of angels, but I have not love, I am a noisy gong or a clanging cymbal. Simply put, imagine there was enough props up here, so I skipped it, all right? But imagine a chalkboard. This is a modern-day moment of me going, like, growing my fingers and fingernails out. Like, you're already cringing. I can feel it. Like, and just, that's, that's the word picture that you get. If I have great words, if I have all of these speak in tongues of men and of angels and these great things, and I don't have love, I am the clanging symbol and the scratchy chalkboard. And if I have a prophetic, if I have prophetic powers and understand all mysteries and knowledge, and if I have all faith so as to remove mountains, but guys, if I have not love, I am nothing. I am nothing. Keep going. If I give away all I have and if I deliver up my body to be burned, but I have not love, I gain nothing. Love. This is where it starts getting familiar. This is where uh, your most recent wedding you were at will come to mind. This is where the, the cheesy paintings that are, that are somewhere in your home or your mother-in-law's home will come to mind. Love is patient. Cheesy is good, too. There's another, like, word that means a couple different things. Love is patient. Love is kind. Love does not envy or boast. It is not arrogant or rude. It does not insist on its own way. It is not irritable. It is not resentful. It does not rejoice at wrongdoing, but it rejoices in the truth. Love bears all things, believes all things, hopes all things, endures all things. Love never ends. As for prophecies, they will pass away. As for tongues, they will cease. As for knowledge, it will pass away. For we know in part, and we prophesy in part. But when, we, when the perfect comes, the partial will pass away. All right, so when I was a child, I spoke like a child. I thought like a child. I reasoned like a child. We all understand that. We all grasp that. But when I became a man, I gave up my childish ways. For now we see in a mirror dimly lit. But when face to face, it all begins to make sense. When you're looking at a dirty, dim, dark mirror, you can't see clearly, but face to face, you see absolutely clear. Now I know in part, 
But then I will know fully, even as I have been fully known. So now faith, hope, and love abide these three, but the greatest of these is love. Would you write this down? I'm going to say it a few times, so I'll go over it if you're taking notes. Love, at its best, is when we take all of the beauty, brokenness, flaws, and fully receive all of them. Love, at its best, is when we take all of the beauty, all of the brokenness, flaws, and fully receive them all. Today, I um, have this extreme uh, paradox. I want to attempt, excuse me if this is a little uh, raw or a little bit... Um, uh, my desire is to be super clear. My desire is to really divide the difference between the head and the heart and how that fleshes out in our lives in regards to love. So in, in regards to love, there's the, the worldly, I'll say there's the worldly perspective, and then there's the eternal perspective. Worldly perspective, eternal perspective. Now, you, you could also say this a couple different ways. Um, you could say it's the worldly perspective, eternal perspective. You could say it's the head and the heart, the factual um, and the belief or faith, uh, uh, faith, excuse me, reason, faith. Uh, you could say it's actual versus idealistic. You could say it's to flesh something out. You could say it's Emotion. So whether it's head or heart, we can, we, can, we can each identify, if you're under those certain categories, between those two things, we can identify love between what does it look like to love someone in my head and what does it look like to love someone in my heart. And, and these are basic concepts. But sometimes when it carries out in our lives of how God specifically is challenging us to do this, in, in regards to 1 Corinthians uh, chapter 13, we see this through either a worldly perspective or an eternal perspective. And we have a hard time taking the two and mixing them. And, and immediately when you're in church and you use the word worldly, a lot of times people are like, whoa, whoa, whoa. Love not the world. Neither of the things that are in the world. If any man loves the world, love the Father is not in him. So let's get away from the world. If we could just make these, let's just lock the doors, we'll be safe. Let's just Get in the church. We'll be good to go. Like, we don't need to be uh, in the world because we don't want to be of the world. And so there's, over church history, there's been this, this major uh, 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 fundamental change in the church where it's just easier to hide, to lock, to push out those that disagree or, or even just from a safety aspect. That, that, like, what if that could happen? And there's this temptation to do that. And so from a worldly perspective, and uh, uh, eternal perspective, those two uh, become mixed really, really uh, simply or easily sometimes in the church. Now, let me ask you this. If you were being, if you were, if somebody loved you world, from a worldly perspective, and if somebody loved you from an eternal perspective, 
If someone loved you with the head, with the facts, with, the, with that part of it, but then loved you with the heart, they're, they're, they're greatly different. They're greatly different. But when we mix the two, we get what's called agape love. In fact, if we're in 1 Corinthians 13, the word love here, even though English language does a poor job of using words in the wrong or diluted context, the Greek is the original language that this letter was written. In the original language that this was even preserved. And in that Greek word, over and over and over, in 1 Corinthians chapter 13, the word is agape. This is a perfect love. This is a, a God-only love. This is a conduit kind of love from God to us. And ultimately through us. From a vertical perspective out to a horizontal perspective. But with the agape love, like, that's a perfect love. That's a God love. That's something that we don't naturally uh, jump to. I mean, like, we're real, right? Like, when you love somebody, whether it's somebody you work with or live with or married to or uh, uh, someone that you know or someone that you used to know, like, there's this, there's this temptation to, like, love them based on the head or the heart, based on facts or how you feel. Let me, let me ask you a, a question. Um, what are a couple examples, let me, and I love your answers, what are a couple examples of, of tangible ways that you've been loved recently? What are tangible ways that you have been loved recently? Married people, let's keep it PG, all right? Anybody? What, what is it? This isn't a trick question. It's like a, like a literal, tangible way that you have been loved recently. Right on, yes. That is so good. Okay, so... That's one of the best parts about having babies. Like, frozen lasagna shows up at the front door. That's the best part. Tangible ways. What else? Birthday cards. Right? Birthday cards with money in it, right? Uh, 2867 Garfield Road. One full Uh What else? What are tangible ways... Helping somebody work on their house. Absolutely. Come on. What else? Words of affirmation. Actual noise made from your mouth and tongue expressing the heart. Right? Yeah, but those are tangible. Yes, good. Prayer. Absolutely. Absolutely. Y'all need some love or what? In some tangible ways that you've been loved recently. Okay. Absolutely. No, that's good. There's nothing better than seeing your dog run at you and be like, ah, you love me. Yeah, totally. Until they jump on you and then you're mad and yeah, it's a, anyways. Totally. Absolutely. What else? One more. Right on. Yes. Totally. An, an actual thing that you're doing that somebody steps in and isn't afraid to get dirty, get their hands dirty, to give their time, uh, to give, like, like, to serve you in a way that you feel 
tangibly loved. And those things are awesome. Those things echo the heart. Those things echo like how you really feel and believe about what you believe about that person. But those are all actual, tangible, worldly examples. Now, the eternal perspective, the heart perspective, the feeling, the emotion perspective of love is quite different. Um, I would define it like this. Love is, um, you ready? Love is, I saw Nancy earlier. You're going to like this word, Nancy. Love is woo. Come on! That's such a good word. Love is woo. W-O-O. Do you know what woo is? Where's Vinny? Okay. Give me a woo. Woo! Yeah, see, that's the... I thought of that when I'm studying. I'm like, that's it. Woo! So woo isn't just the noise. Woo is something that, it, it's, it's something that, that, it's not even yelling woo, but like literally a woo is something that is like, like imaginary, uh, this, it's inviting you in. It's wooing you in. It's bringing you into the moment. It's not just the factual. It's not just, hey, this place is awesome. That movie is great, and this is why, and that food is great. And that restaurant, like, here's what they got to eat, and here's what they got to eat. That is completely different than the woo of that restaurant, of that place, of that movie. And the only way for you to truly grasp this part of it, this part of it, is to be wooed by it. Now, um, a couple examples in this. And again, bear with me. I'm trying to, uh, so that we get an understanding of all this, just follow me of, of the understanding of the head and versus the heart and where they collide and where this plays in to us as followers of Christ, specifically in love. Love woos us into not just approve of someone in their flaws, but to see and accept and celebrate the sum of all of they are. Okay? Love woos us in to not just approve of their flaws, but to see and accept and celebrate the sum of all that they are. Now, uh, there's, there's only a couple ways to, to describe this, and the best way I would describe this is that, um, can we go back to 1990 for a second? So, in 1990, there was a song that was That was, that was uh, recorded uh, for the most legendary series of movies called, uh, it's, the, it's the Rocky, um, it's the Rocky um, series. Why can't I think of words? Hold on, hold on, hold on, hold on. I'm not ready for it. I'm st- <laughs> We're still traveling back to 1990, all right? So this... <laughs> This movie was made, in, uh, or the soundtrack was put out in 1990, and somewhere in the mid-90s, um, I'm ah, 11, 12, 13 years old, and I'm in southern Illinois, and, and we're, it's summer, and we're uh, doing things like kids do, not on phones, not on video games, we're like riding bikes all day, we're probably doing lots of other things we shouldn't be doing, uh, and then we are thinking of great creative ideas. So one of the creative ideas we, we thought of was we were going to make a music video. Guys, this is the mid-90s. 
This is like, there's, video cameras are now like a thing that you can buy and have. So we were at my friend's house, and we decided to make this, this, this um, music video. And we were truly inspired by Rocky. I mean, just the, 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 like the factual, like this, he was an underdog, right? Um, he had a cool accent. <laughs> he had culture, but more than anything, he had this tenacity to win, right? That inspired us as kids. And I'll never forget, we're making this, this, this uh, movie, and we, we, we had, at that time, we didn't have iMovie or, or fun editing tools. So basically, if you wanted a song in a, in a music video at that point, you had to, like, play it in the background while you're recording, right? Not cheesy at all. Um, so we're playing uh, a song by Survivor, which is on uh, the uh, Rocky soundtrack. Now, the song is called The Eye of the Tiger. Now, The Eye of the Tiger is not just a song. It's the theme song for Rocky's heart. It's the theme song for our video. And, like, it gets us fired up and pumped up because here's how the song goes. Here's, here's, here's how I can explain it to you. There's like this. Hold, we're not to rising up yet. We're, we're, we're at the beginning. It's like this. And there's like this. And then there's like this. Pop! Pop, pop! It's like it's this, you got it? Like it's this noise. It's like, it's this, this, this beginning, this connection of, of, of sound. And it connects with more sounds. And then it builds. Are you with me? You're like looking down like you're embarrassed for me. This is, I'm trying to explain this. All right? Now, there is a difference between <laughs> talking about a song and hearing a song. So, hit it, Jake. <laughs> now is your cue. Thank you. the drywall, his fist goes to the drywall, and the video just stops. And it's like, that was the funniest point of the video. Like, ah, mom's going to kill me, that kind of thing. Uh, that whole perspective in that. But here's the thing, here's the thing. Uh, <laughs> there's a difference between uh, telling you and talking about a song. And there's a difference between that and actually feeling the song. Feeling the song. Experiencing the song. Connecting with the emotion of the song. I wish so bad I had that video for you so that you could understand the grasp of all of this. And honestly, I don't know if that makes any sense to you, but it made absolute perfect sense to me. I think there's an absolute difference between telling something and feeling something. And I think that's the difference, major difference between the head and the heart. Between the worldly and the eternal. Um, b between incarnation, which incarnation specifically with Christ, as he became flesh and dwelt among us. He, he went from the eternal to the 
physical. We can comprehend the facts of God. But until the eternal became the actual, we didn't really grasp it. We didn't really understand it. Love is not... Nate was so inspired by my Rocky story. That's what, that's what it was. <laughs> love, here's the thing. Love is not an object to tack on to things. Love is an invitation to experience everything through its eyes. Pete Rollins says it's, it brings color to the gray. So love is a woo. Yes, there's a factual. I love my wife because she makes great food, because she is pretty, because she is kind to me, um, because she's Canadian, <laughs> because she, and I could go on and on and on and on and on and list out her, uh, on paper, her qualities. But what has really invited me and wooed me into deeply, deeply loving my wife is this eternal perspective of love. And it's not just this eternal perspective of love that's agape. Agape is only when you take the two and you put them together. It's when you take the, the physical and the emotional and you put it together. It's when you take the factual and the, the emotional and you put them together. That's where the power comes in. And that's where the reality of agape, full on, only God giving love through the conduit of you where you can love one another. And that's how he woos us. That's how we woo one another. Think about, um, the, think about the, the, this is the simple aspect of thank you, Jesus, that um, I met my wife uh, in college uh, and like we never had to experience uh, online dating. But um, not that that's a bad thing. It's just like where we're at in our culture. But as online dating, uh, there's this thing that, that, like, there's the factual of what you're looking for, right? And, and then there's the, the, and then the actual of what you're seeing in, in a profile pic or a description or a profile of their life or their story. Um, but then there's the actual, over time, the, the wooing of falling in love with that person. And, and this is obviously just a door, and I'm not saying that it's bad or, or wrong. I'm just simply describing the, the two, the, the difference between uh, the two. But here's the thing. Even in online dating, uh, eHarmony, is it a good example? Their marketing strategy, strategy number one, was to, <laughs> to take away the risk of love. Think about it. Like, think about their commercials. I don't know if they're still, I don't know if they're still a thing, but I'm just, it's fresh in my mind. So eHarmony describes this as like, we have the perfect uh, person for you, and it's based on these things and these things. It's so, like there's this there's this marketing tool that 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 draws you in, but it draws you in only to the factual. Like I never want to get hurt again. I know what I need. I know what I desire. I know what I want. And they're telling me like that. Do you see the the? And again, I'm not saying that that's bad. I'm just saying that that's their strategy because they understand that that part is important. You don't truly love a person at that first date. Like an agape kind of love. You, if you're, you've been married for 10 or more years, you know, or two or more years, 
you know good and well that that agape love only comes when you take the actual and the eternal, the worldly and the eternal, and you take all of their flaws in this depth of who they are and how God sees them and how I see them through God, and you love them. That's what it means when it says that love is patient, that love is kind. That's what it means when it says love is not resentful. That's what it means when it says love does not keep any record of wrongs. That's the difference between loving actually, actually thinking we love someone and truly loving someone. You see, think of it from, from a, a, a perspective of when I got to know my wife past the, mo- the first moment of the actual, like, oh, she's pretty, and oh, she's nice, and, and, and all those initial first thoughts, the, the depth of my life with her, and, and honestly, knowing all of her shortcomings, which are many, I'm just kidding. <laughs> uh, all of her flaws, all of her brokenness, all of her beauty, the sum, the collection of all of that has wooed me into loving her at a heart level that I can't even describe. God, agape loves you. Um, it's easy to think of God's love for us like right here. Like the eternal. Well, he's God, right? He's eternal. Like, he, he, I've said the right words. I, I believe in him. I, I believe in he died on the cross. I got baptized. Like, like I go to church. I, I give. I, like, I, I'm, I'm reading the Bible. I'm praying. Like, like all these, pers- it's easy to think of it from this. But listen, listen, listen. We completely block the factual, the actual, the worldly perspective of our, our actual lives of God's love towards us. Why? Because we know we fall short. We know we sin. We know what we've done. We know what we think. We know what we've looked at. We know what we've said. And we, so we run to the emotion of God. We run to like, God, how do you feel about me? Because we don't actually want to know how God sees us from a, like a physical or like abundant life perspective or how he wants to use us in our life or how he's declared us righteous or how in Romans chapter 5 it says that God showed his love toward us in that while we are still sinning, Christ died for us. Guys, that's a factual, a worldly, a, a, a place right here where God offers forgiveness in the midst of our sin so that we can be redeemed from our sin, so that in our repentance and in our faith, we can receive the agape, not just the emotion, not just the eternal, not just the, the, the idealistic kind of love. See, when you love someone so deeply, it's easy at the beginning to idealize who they are. Not idolize, idealize who they are. That, that newness, that freshness, that like, I'm so in love and I've only known them for, like, it's like Elf, like I'm a... Uh, 
I'm in love, and I don't care who knows it. Like, it's that perspective of, like, you're so deeply, madly in love, but you've known them for four hours kind of thing. It's like that initial thought. You idealize the person so much that you don't even necessarily know the depths of them. But the whole ideal of it is so real and raw. But here's what happens. Over time, when you find out that they have flaws, and over time, when you find out that they have brokenness, there's, there's this human nature that immediately wants to be like, Whoa, 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 whoa. They aren't perfect. Why didn't somebody tell me? Like you're even mad at your friend who introduced you guys because you're like, I can't believe because he does this and this and this and this. Like you're upset as if the actual and the worldly perspective now like conflicts with the eternal perspective. And it doesn't. It doesn't. Here's my point. Here's my point. God invites us to not run from the worldly perspective of love. He invites us to permeate the perspective of the world by his love. I am loved is this idea, is this initiative that doesn't just say, okay, let's get everybody, hurry, shut the door. Like, that's not it at all. The idea of I am loved, the heart of conduit, is that we literally would go in love, the agape love of God, regardless And then the sum of all this city is, and the sum of all those people in our life that we know and see and even experience from a factual or emotional state, we go and we permeate their life through love. Worldly love, eternal love. Actual love, emotional love. Now, when you idealize somebody, there's this, like, There's this excitement about it. But just as much of an excitement when you idealize that person, whether it's like a relationship, like like a man and woman relationship, or it's like a friendship, or a job, or a boss, or or, or whatever it is, when you idealize and you like put them up here, that's not fair. That's not right. Um, Because when they, when their flaws show up, when their brokenness shows up, the beauty disappears, and the valley is just as low as the peak was high. And it's so dangerous to the human emotion. And it's something that we, that even though I'm using the human emotion, that's strictly flesh. That's fighting against what it's going after in 1 Corinthians 13. The whole idea of 1 Corinthians 13 is that you're fighting against what is normal. Love, not like our love and our relationships, like the natural overflow, the fleshly overflow is like, it's not patient at all. It's not kind at all. Oh, if I love you, I'm going to get a kick in the pants. Like, it's, it's like, it's, it's like wanting to fix the situation. It wants to control. Like, I don't see that and I don't like that. So I'm just going to tweak in there. I'm going to manipulate or I'm going to control the situation so that you will know I love you. Right? There's a temptation to do this as a parent. But here's the thing. If I were to say, if I were to put a picture up on the screen of, uh, let's use, for example, my daughter, uh, Eden. I could say, with like my whole heart, I could say that she is the greatest, most beautiful little girl in the world. right? And no one would necessarily disagree with me. And you wouldn't be like, he's a liar! 
She is not the most beautiful, greatest little girl. Like, there'd be none of that. But if I just, a picture popped up, I'd say, she's the greatest, most beautiful girl in the world. No one, see, I'm idealizing her. And, and I'm not saying that that part is bad. Like, I do believe that she is the greatest and uh, most beautiful little girl in the world. Or one of the two. Um, but when I idealize them, I also, guys, I can look at her face. It's still got chocolate on the, on the lips. I can think about how frustrated I was like an hour ago at her. But here's the thing. I can take all of her beauty and all of her flaws and all of her brokenness and still say she is the greatest, most beautiful girl in the world. That's agape love. See, as a parent, you understand that perspective because there's a there's a love for your child that you cannot explain but god can explain it's called agape and if you've had a child maybe even a grown child that has completely disrespected you or dishonored your family or dishonored you fill in the blank um it's i would challenge you to say that you may be hopping mad and so deeply hurt by them. Oh, but in that same depth, you love them so much. That's agape. You see, when we idealize a person and we take what's actual and factual and we mix it with the eternal and the perspective of how God loves us in both realms and we put it together, that's the love that 1 Corinthians chapter 13 is talking about. Love woos us into not just approve of all of their flaws, but to see and accept and celebrate the sum of all that they are. And I'll just say, uh, uh, this is not, this is like 0% a political uh, soapbox. But, but I would also say, just for like one hot second, that this actually does apply to social issues. This does apply to actual political issues. And, and you might leave, uh, or I might leave at the end of my conclusion, uh, confused on which side of the aisle you're on. Because agape love permeates both sides. It actually doesn't, like... Uh, villainize a person because they've done this, this, and this, and this. It, like the, uh, they've actually done this, and they've worldly perspective done this, and they've physically done this. That doesn't neg- it doesn't like take away the ultimate agape love I have for them. In fact, in fact, just like it does with Eden, it should, it should be a mix where I can love them fully, where I can agape love them in spite, in fact, with the sum of all that they are and all of their flaws, and all of their brokenness, and all their mistakes, I can love them. That's an agape love, because here's the thing. There's this temptation as humans to like, especially as Christians, to like, oh, I'm afraid. How do I love that person? They do this, this, and this. How do I, how do I love? I can, I can promise you, I can promise you this. You will never stand before the Lord someday, and he will say to you, how dare you love that person? Never. So if you get caught up in loving, agape loving somebody, 
You're incarnating. You're fleshing out the agape love of the, of the actual and the eternal. Does that make sense? Um, accepting a person does not mean approving of what they do. Hear me. Accepting a person, fully accepting them, doesn't mean approving of what they do. Now, your disapproval of what they do could be based on scripture. It could be based on rules that you've set. It could be based on, hey, I told you not to do this and you did that. It could be based on, that's a separate discussion. But approval and acceptance is not the same at all. And our culture, especially the church, is stuck in this like, wait, whoa, if I love them, that means I approve. No, it does not. It didn't for Christ. Because again, I remind you, God showed his love toward us in that while we were yet sinners, a holy God, in while we are yet sinners, a God not trapped in time, comes into a place in time where we are sinning, where we are living, where we, are, we have a sin nature, and he died for us, and he gave his life for us. Does this make sense? So it doesn't just woo us to one or the other, it woos us to both. But here's the thing. Agape love, guys, this is like, this is a message only for followers of Christ. This is, this is not just like some great uh, thing to stand on a soapbox about in a political perspective. This only can happen through Christ. The only way you can truly agape, you can truly perfectly love a person with the, the actual and the eternal, the only way that you can love them with the, the, the head and the heart is because of Christ. That's the only way. Like, I will stand on that. That's the only way that he will give you the power to truly and fully love someone. It's through that. Only love does that. But here's why. <laughs> love is not an object. And if I've tried to invite you to, like, describe the object, hopefully through my uh, rocky music, uh, you experience that love isn't just an object. It's something that you're wooed and invited into. And it's a combination of both of them. Simple as this. To love is to give. So if God loves us, what did he give? John 3.16. You know this, right? For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, his only son, that whoever believes in him and what he did on that cross and what he did for our, our sins, how he rose from the dead, says that they will not perish. They will not die. Their, their soul will not die, um, but they will inherit eternal life. So what did God give to show his love in that verse? What did God give in order to show his love? His son, okay? So he gave his son. First John chapter 4. Would you go there with me briefly? Beloved, uh, verse 7, chapter, 1 John chapter 4 and verse 7. Beloved, let us love one another for the love, for love is from God. Check this out. Like dissect, like zoom in to the, these words. Verse 7. For love is from God, and whoever loves have been, has been born of God and knows God. Anyone who does not love does not know God, because God is love. 
God is love. Do you, you see that? Like, it's simple. I know, like, but God is, is love. Ah, it's so good. Are you with me? Okay, some of you. God's love. Are you, come on, all right. So, in the love of God was made manifest among us that God sent his only son into the world so that we might live through him. And this is love. Not that we have loved God, but that we have loved us and sent his son to be the propitiation for our sins. Beloved, beloved, if God so loved us as we ought to love one another, no one has ever seen God. If we love one another, God abides in us. And his love is perfected in us. His love is perfected in us. So there's this whole idea of taking the actual and the eternal. So if God gives things to show his love, he gave us his life, he gave us his son, then what is he asking of us? If he already gave his life, if God the Father already gave his son, if they're giving us this, what is God asking as a natural overflow for us? He's asking us to give love. What kind of love? Agape love. What kind of love? The, the love that takes the actual, the factual, that <laughs> takes reason, it takes faith, and it mixes it together. And it loves a person in the brokenness and the flaws, and the beauty, and the sum of all that they are. We get to be a conduit of that. We get to love in that aspect. Now, I feel like uh, <laughs> when I was uh, when I was um, I experienced a science lesson this week. Um, it has got nothing to do with this analogy, but yet it got me thinking about it all week. Um, I was burning some uh, cardboard in my backyard, and somehow um, uh, a spray can got into the garbage or, or of the, yeah. So I just dumped it all, and I'm literally, like, it's a big fire, like, probably from me to Cameron away. Um, and I'm, like, literally, like, on it, trying to, like, kick things more in it. And one of these was in there, and I didn't realize it. And it literally, it was like a gunshot. It was so loud. Like, I literally, it was like, I walked away. I was just like, like, what? I cannot, like, I was just, I couldn't, it was so loud. And I got to thinking about, like, what are the, what are the contents? What are the contents? If you were to Google, what are the contents of how this bottle is made? Obviously, paint is inside. Obviously, you press the button. I'm not going to. <laughs> at you, at least. Um, I press the button, and paint sprays out. So there's this assumption that, like, what does it look like on the inside of this? What are the contents that literally, uh, what happens in here so that it comes out and sprays effectively? Because, like, if you, if you don't shake it right, or if you've got a, a broken... Um, uh, broken cap 
Um, what happens is it comes out weirdly, oddly, backwards, and, and it becomes an issue, whether it's deodorant or hairspray or spray paint. Spray paint especially is an issue because once it's out, you can't bring it back. But inside of this, there is um, naturally, uh, when it, a brand new can is filled, it's actually only filled to here with paint. And you say, well, what a ripoff, right? You say, wait a minute. <laughs> is it the same company that makes bags of chips? Uh, this isn't right. <laughs> I'm right. <laughs> Suddenly you want to be an activist. You weren't sure what to be an activist about, but now you want to be an activist. But in reality, the other part is simply gas. Now, you may be familiar with this. Uh, the gas and the paint act together to spray out of the top. Now, this, the most important part of the actual painting, the most important part of the actual painting is this little, 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 little tiny, 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 tiny hole. I'll call it cap. I'm sure there's a more technical name. It's not a nozzle. We're going to call it a cap, all right? It's a, the cap, all right? The cap as a whole, all right? Um, I love you. Agape love. The cap takes the gas and the paint, and it compresses it. It actually muffles it. It actually makes it so tight that in that spring, in that pressure, it activates the contents so that it will have a reaction based on how the science of this and the actual uh, part of this is built. Okay? Let me illustrate. Now, I, was trying, I knew I wanted to spray it. I knew I couldn't spray at you. Uh, so I'll just spray on this, okay? And we're going on a three-day staff retreat uh, this week, and so this is typical of what we use, so we, we might need to get a new Post-it pad because um, it might bleed through. But um, I just essentially will... Press the button, and I'm no artist, I promise you that. It was pretty good. I'm trying to go for that. So, oh yeah! Is that close? Some of you that have been wearing these t-shirts um, may not have realized that that says I am. Did you know that? Okay, it just took me a while then. All right. So, Oh, that's really bad, guys. I'm sorry. All right, that heaven's a heart. All right. So, <laughs> nobody taking pictures. <laughs> wow, that's so bad. It's like a, it's like a angel. Anyways, so. That's not the point, all right? So why don't we just do this, all right? So you're not distracted. <laughs> Sorry. So basically, the contents of this is activated in order to have a response, a, a spray. Now, the best thing I could think of is that God's love is the literal paint. The power is the gas. Power the Holy Spirit, God in all that he is. But how does he get, how does he get 
to? How does he get to the place? How does he get to in an agape way? How does he get? How does he love the people? He does it through us. We are the cap. We are simply the place that God passes through. Hear me. I know people are walking around, but I, just, I want you to get this, all right? Works really hard in my mind so you can understand this, right? I want you to truly grasp that you are a small part in it. You are a small part. But where it comes out, how do you spray? How do you press down? How do you love? You take the actual of the person, the factual of the person, and you take the idealistic, the, the, the belief, the faith in the person, and you put it together, and you show it in a true agape love for them. Guys, listen, we should be the biggest love representation in the room. We should be the greatest representation of love in our home, dads, moms. We should be the greatest representation of love in the boardroom. We should be the greatest representation in the line at Walmart. We should be the greatest representation. Listen, this is going to get you. We should be the greatest representation of love at Thanksgiving dinner and Christmas dinner with your family. It should be so obvious that it literally permeates all over them the agape love of Jesus because it's patient and it's kind and it doesn't boast and it doesn't, uh, it doesn't uh, walk around uh, like practicing this pious perspective of I love you so much because of this, this, and this, and this. No, love isn't just, even in response, love isn't just this, this, and this. Love is a wooing. Love is the factual and actual. It's the worldly and eternal. It's the, the physical, the emotional. It's the mix into the agape way that you spread the love of Jesus. Period. Because when you spread the love of Jesus, when you spray that, I wouldn't recommend you spray that on people. But metaphorically, when you spray the agape love, of Jesus. You're spraying something that we can't be separated from. No height, no depth, no action, no words can separate them from the love of God. Like how do I show that? It's different. It's a different context for all of us based on the relationship. And honestly, based on the facts. Because sometimes love in the facts and the flaws and the brokenness and the beauty means boundaries. Sometimes in that agape love, it's not always just approval. It's not always just a pat on the back. Sometimes it's an embrace. Sometimes it's a prayer. Sometimes it's a lasagna. Sometimes it's a deep, deep longing to God the Father for the person because you agape love them. Love is receiving all of their brokenness, their flaws, and their beauty because that's the sum of all that they are. And when we, in heaven, when they're fully sanctified, and we're fully sanctified, and we cannot point to all the flaws and brokenness in their life, then 
we will truly grasp the understanding of love. As it says at the end of 1 Corinthians chapter 13, it's as if we're looking in a mirror that's dimly covered and foggy versus being face-to-face with somebody. There's a difference. And they're using the analogy that right now, guys, conduit, you're called to love agape the world. You're called to permeate those places of love and showing and spraying. He's the content. He's the power. All you are is the cap. But will you allow him to permeate this world, to incarnate Christ to this world? Will you allow that to happen? Because guess what? He promises at the end of that chapter that someday we're going to understand the depths, the depths and the heights and the reality of it all as we experience the agape love of Christ forever and ever and ever. So this morning, um, you may have a heavy heart. You may be in a place of confusion in your relationships that are this way. But honestly, I wanted so bad to shed a light on your relationship this way, between you and the Lord, you and God. You need to hear me. He knows all you've done. He knows your flaws. He knows your brokenness. He knows your decisions. He knows the repetitive nature of your sin. When he says he loves you, it's not so that you can just get your junk together and then he'll love you. He loves you right now. So that he can take you away from those things that hurt you and hurt others. His agape love of both head and heart through the cross, through a risen Savior, the power of the Holy Spirit to you and I. So my challenge to you today, before you go, if you need prayer, you need to invite Christ into your life, maybe for the first time as your Savior, ask Him to save you. Ask Him to forgive you. Ask Him to come into your life. And in all intents and purposes, ask Him to come into your heart. Ask Him to come into your mind. And may you love Him the same love that He loved us with first. So during this last song, Pastor Cameron and myself will be up here if you need prayer. Um, come find us. Um, if you want to pray by yourself, you're welcome to pray at the altar. Also, I um, would invite you uh, to do that during the song, but also would ask, um, I have an uh, important message I need to share with you guys uh, following the song, if you could just uh, stay tight or sit tight uh, for a few moments, okay? All right, let's pray. God, thank you for...